Welcome to Nintendo Dispatch, your weekly Nintendo podcast covering all things from the world of Nintendo. I'm Christina. I'm James. And I'm Michael. And we got games, games, games. We finally mm, got some mm, games, mm. games, games. It's 2021 and we got some games to play. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I like the little jingle. <laughs> yes, we do. We actually have some games. It's something to look forward to at the end of the show. We'll definitely have some things to list out and say that we're excited for this week. Some games, games, games. Those things are called games, games, games. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm super excited because there are totally games. Last week, remember, we had what, like 5,000 games on the list and we checked like one. Yeah. And this week we have a lot less, which is very exciting. That's the way it should be. And uh, we have a lot of checks. So, you know, uh, I guess without further ado, we should just get through the news because. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Nintendo and. Um, was it Capcom? That's a company. They announced they're, they're the ones that make the games. Yep, that's right. They make the games with the hunters and the monsters, and you hunt them. I played that game, and we're going to talk about that game later. Are we talking about games, games, games? All right, I'm done. Um, all right, let's talk about it because special edition consoles are super fantastical. I actually just watched a YouTube video, um, and there's this entire website and organization that is out collecting limited edition rare consoles. And it's really fun to like watch through them because I'm like, oh, I, I remember I remember that contest that they made that one edition of that thing. Or I remember that I carried that at GameStop at one time. Uh, and yeah, Capcom, Nintendo, they're coming out with a limited edition Monster Hunter Nintendo Switch, which I think is fantastical. The special edition one is going to be 38,400 yen over in Japan. I think it might be Japan exclusive. It looks like that way, at least. It's going to come out the same day. It has special edition Joy-Cons with Monster Hunter theme on it. It has a, you know, docking station with Monster Hunter themes stuff on it. Um, it's going to come with a download code for Monster Hunter Rise and the Deluxe Kit DLC plus a bonus content. So it's all going to be there, which is super rad. Um, I don't know anything about the things that are on the Nintendo switch as far as like what these characters are, what if they, if they're cool or not in the monster hunter ethos, I'd assume that they picked good things, but I like the look and feel. It kind of looks like a hieroglyphics in a way with cool dragon off the end of it, but it's just a generic gray, you know, switch. There's nothing special about it as far as it just being a gray switch compared to what we were talking about with the Mario switch that's coming out. That's super awesome and colorful and really great. I mean, I'm looking at my switch and I got, you know, the blue joy con, the pinkish red joy con from launch and mm -hmm. man, it, I like colors. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's cool. Yeah. So I don't know if they could have come out with, I like the blue. Like if you look at the monster hunter rise artwork, it has a really cool deep blue in behind it. Like, like this dragon behind it. Like that would have been cool. I just feel like Nintendo's done this golden accented switch before yeah. i mean i still think it's cool but I, th I feel like i've seen it before you know what i mean it feels out of place for monster hunter for me mm. just because i feel like the gold is good for things like legend of zelda but not necessarily this i'm i'm not like with you months i'm not super familiar with monster hunter so maybe gold is an accent that's in the games a lot i don't know but it seems like they just had a lot of gray switches kicking around because nobody wanted them and they're like you know what let's slap some gold foil on this bad boy and ship it out you know and that's what we're getting for monster hunter rise i think it could have been much cooler based on the cover art and things like that for monster hunter rise so i don't know it's all right but i I don't know i mean i guess any special version is cool but i mean like 
I want to see so, when, when, if we get one for Zelda, you know, because we've been seeing, we saw one for Mario now, we saw one for this. You know, mm-hmm. Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 comes out, man, there better be a really cool switch that comes out for that that would be something i think they could really go nuts with and have something really stand out and you would probably see people buy that second switch or upgrade or whatever it ends up being but this that was nice. one of my predictions yeah i mean it would <laughs> but be it cool. was for breath of the wild for breath of the wild 2 for the new switch but even if it's the same switch that would be cool too i wouldn't really care <laughs> yeah 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 but i'm sure there's a ton of monster hunter fans out there that are at least beginning the pro controller yeah yeah, the Pro Controller looks really cool. I forgot to even mention that. There's a Pro Controller. Um, you know, I actually need a new Pro Controller. I don't know if I would get this one necessarily, mm-hmm. but yeah. I want I want a crazy Pro Controller. Yeah, I want something with a headphone jack in it. Yeah, that's true. Get, I will get really crazy. <laughs> get real, I will say, I mean, that's how I play my dare. my X my Xbox, and um, it's pretty pretty fantastic. I will say this though, with my Xbox, is that I, I guess. My other monitor that I had uh, hooked up to like didn't have speakers, but this new one does. So I was playing Doom before. Maybe I said this last week, but I was playing Doom before, and like the audio is coming out of both my headphones, out of my and my and the monitor. But I, I didn't know that. So like an hour in of me like killing like you know zombies and all this <laughs> stuff like blaring. Heather like walked into the room. She's like, y- "You know that I can hear everything." And I was like, "What?" And I was like, "Oh, oh my gosh!" <laughs> so like, I had to like mute. I had to like mute my monitor. I was like, "That's weird that it like came out of both." But anyways, oh, man. But these fact. headphones are so loud. I didn't yeah. think I could hear them so well. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh. Um, well, we mentioned last week the Genki Shadowcast and the Kickstarter they had going, where they were trying to raise thirty thousand dollars. Well, they raised it. Uh, the the Kickstarter is over, and they absolutely demolished that initial goal of thirty thousand. They raised a total of almost two million dollars for this thing, so they're not hurting. Uh, they had thirty thousand three hundred eighty two backers, and that is amazing. So this is happening. This is getting made. If you did, if you missed last week's episode, the Shadowcast is basically the simplest way for you to play console games on your computer and laptop devices. Uh, it does it without the need of an internal connection or television. It require it features 4K HDMI input and USB Type-C output and is compatible with Switch, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series X. So I think this is very, very cool. I think we, what was it, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, something like that. So if mm-hmm. you're thinking like uh, Elgato capture card mixed with the, uh, what was their their cam link, that's what this thing is going to be. So you're kind of getting two in one. And I think it looks great. I did not back this, this initial uh, Kickstarter, but I will be happy to buy it once it actually goes to retail i have no problem with that so i think this is very very cool that they're doing it we've had other things from them in the past that work wonderful and we believe this will be right in par with all those yeah congrats to genki i mean nobody had any doubt they were going to hit the the goal no they've been doing really well with all of their stuff yeah then i i'll get one so i will let you know how it is yeah for sure full review Uh, This past week, we did get the big Animal Crossing New Horizons update for January. It brings a new festival event, uh, some more seasonal additions, a couple new reactions, and a bunch of new items. Uh, The festival event is taking place on February 15th. There's a dancer named Pave. (laughs) They'll arrive to your island, and there's going to be confetti and 
and lots of carnival spirit going around. And you can capture these feathers floating around the island to trade them for a passionate dance from Pave. Mm, I like that. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, sure. A bunch of new reactions are going to be available uh, for the Viva Festival reaction set. You can purchase it from Nook's Cranny, and it's going to include uh, reactions called Feeling It, Let's Go, Viva, and Confetti. So those sound fun. It's going to be a bunch of new clothing. So check out the Able Sisters shop starting February 1st. And those are limited time, so make sure you hop in early. Uh, and then a bunch of seasonal items. So there's going to be bunch of new things in the uh, Nook Stop in Resident Services through Nook Shopping. There's going to be chocolate hearts and heart-shaped bouquets. Mm. And again, all this stuff will be going on through February 1st, February 14th. There's also going to be some more items related to Groundhog Day and a big game celebration available for certain periods uh, during January and February because it's football season. So uh, so much to look forward to. And also there's been stuff leaked, not leaked, but hinted at for the next free update that's going to happen in March. I won't give any details on that uh, because nothing's been official yet. But there's there's some whisperings <laughs> kind of going around. Um, and then Nintendo's also revealed that the really popular Sanrio Amiibo cards are going to be coming back mm. in the in the U.S. They're going to be available exclusively in Target uh, for five ninety nine for a six pack. And then in Europe, the details are to be announced. They haven't, you know, given any details on that yet. And just to refresh, too, these, when they were last launched, were sold out almost immediately. Um, the packs included six cards for Rila, Marty, or Rilla, Marty, Itoli, Chai, Chelsea, and Toby. So you get all those characters. But it's really cool that it's going to be in Target. It's pretty accessible for something that used to be so rare. So I'm excited for this. Yeah, that's Oh, nice. yeah. I remember these. I want to buy these. Can I buy these? I like Target. I like Target. That's a store I can go into. You're right. Yep. Starting on March 26th. <laughs> oh, that's too far away. I'm going to forget. <laughs> I know. I'm sure we'll bring it up again at some point, but mark your calendars if you're super excited. <laughs> when did it come out? Was it April that Animal Crossing came out? Mm, I think uh, it was no, around it came out, April. came out in March. It came out just before my birthday. Okay. So, I mean, we've yeah. got that coming up probably. We'll have... I'm sure they're going to do stuff for like the one year anniversary of it. Oh, I'm sure. You know, if if nothing else, it'll probably be like, oh, you logged in and it'll know that you've had it since day one. And maybe yeah. we'll get some cool exclusive stuff. Maybe for that that'll too. be that'll be in the uh, March update. Maybe yeah, there'll that be, would be stuff very like cool. that in there. Yeah. March 20th, 2020. Three, two, zero, two, zero. I wouldn't hate two, some uh, exclusive oh, just after stuff. Birthday. Now, I, I will say I haven't really gone into it since Christmas. Uh, basically, I missed all of the stuff I've been looking forward to all year. And um, I was on like Christmas the, the day before Christmas or the day before that, maybe. So I basically did not get to see any of the actual Christmas stuff, which was kind of a bummer. Uh, it's it's things because the busiest time of you know the holidays is the day they were also doing stuff in Animal Crossing. So you really don't get you're doing you're busy with like holiday stuff. So you didn't really get to see mm -hmm. a lot of it. I know, Christina, you had the same thing. You didn't even get to enjoy it. Yeah, I was way busier than I thought I was going to be and didn't get a chance to really hop in. Yeah, it's a which bummer. I wish I wish they would extend those holidays or give a little more of a buffer, not just within that day, but maybe like the day before or the day after you could do stuff. Yeah, because a lot of this stuff too, you're you're working towards something, right? Whether mm -hmm. it was Christmas ornaments or decorations or whatever, and you're trying to gather things up to that day. But then if you miss that day, mm -hmm. all of the you're work screwed. the month before yeah. was wasted because you never get the 
point, you never get the things you're working towards. So I unfortunately missed a lot of it. I, I logged in like that night and I, I missed all of the fun stuff, but I do love jumping in once in a while. This, I will jump in and check this stuff out for a day or two, but I, I am not playing very often. I jump in, you know, here and there once a month and just see what's going on. But um, I, 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 I hope maybe for the new year, for like the one year anniversary, we get something a little bit more substantial. You know, these things are nice and they get you to check in and it's like, oh, this is cute. But I, I would love to see like a, uh, I don't know, maybe another island we can expand to or, yeah, I don't know, something, something well, a little more extent, past, substantial. But- yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. I mean, I, not an I, island you can visit. I'm saying like an island that we can cre- like work on. Mm. Oh, like together, like a well, multiplayer island, like just well, expansion. You see islands, yeah, like an expansion, expansion to it, where I take a boat mm-hmm. to my other island, and that's got mm. or give me stores that I can create and decorate. You know, where mm-hmm. people I've seen hack, where they'll create another profile on their account, and then they basically take that house and create a store out of it by decorating the inside well let me just create actual storefronts you know and let me i don't know give me a little more control in the game i would love to see some stuff like that kind of come along one thing i was really surprised about that wasn't included in this update or what they kind of focused on was valentine's day but there's nothing about chinese new year at all Hmm. which really surprised me like i understand that this switch in, in china is kind of you know, it's been a rocky relationship there, but it's not just celebrated in China. It's celebrated across the world and it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's almost like in Asia, it's basically like Christmas there, the way it is here in the West. So I, I was really surprised that I didn't see anything at all for it. Yeah, that is kind of surprising. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Hmm, the, yeah. I mean, I wonder how they pick all their different the holidays, the holidays that they're going to do. Yeah. They just draw them out of a hat. <laughs> They have like the well, Mario I mean, hat that they shake. They had to bump it for Groundhog's Day. So yeah, you know, yeah. it's tough, tough choices. Chinese New Year, football, Groundhog's Day. I hope Bill Murray shows up do. on my island. <laughs> <laughs> or just like or you animal. get to play, you get to time travel that day over and over and over oh again. Oh my gosh, yes. What if you do something wrong and you just keep living the same day over and you can over? Go backwards. And you have to you have to be really nice to all of your villagers and get them to like you, and then you can finally progress in the game. Or oh, this would be so easy to do. It'd be like you have to give them a gift or do a favor for someone. If you do it wrong, you have mm-hmm. the option to redo it. Mm-hmm. That would be yeah. so easy to do. You have to catch oh, Nana be before cool. she falls out of the tree. Oh, you yeah. have to... <laughs> <laughs> I like awesome. it. I'm in. I'm in for two. Let's do it. Ah, well, if you are playing Animal Crossing a whole lot, some big news. Um, if you're still looking to make some bank off of your turnips. Island Tracker, the app that I made for iOS and Android, now completely free for everybody. Woo! Nice. Ooh, nice. Did it. You don't have happy to buy it anymore. New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. You're welcome. Happy Valentine's happy Day. Yeah. <laughs> happy Groundhog's Day. <laughs> that to your, give that to your partner. Yeah, I've been, I've been working on it for a while, the update, and uh, all existing users. So if you did buy it already, you're already a pro user. And uh, now there's a pro mode that you can like upgrade to for a few bucks and unlock more stuff in the application, you know, like every app out there. But uh, mm-hmm. it's out there. Some other people have downloaded it, seems like at least. So um, it's out there. It's free. You can go just get it. I put a link in the show notes for it, but it's islandtracker.app and works everywhere. If you don't know about this app and you're new to the podcast, it's an app that I built to share turnip prices and gate codes and things like that with your friends. So instead of having to text everybody every day, you can track your turnip prices, get predictions. And even by doing so, you automatically, you know, synchronize 
you know, your friends, you know, turn up status. So you can wake up in the morning, see what they're buying for, see what they're selling for, see what they're, they're up to, mm. um, out there. So it's totally an app 2.0 is out and you can get it and it totally works. So nice. There you go. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, in some not as good news, uh, the Joy-Con drift issues um, and lawsuits continue in the world of Nintendo. We'll see how this turns out. You know, I never really hear any epic conclusions to any of this. It doesn't maybe seem like it does much of anything, does it? No, maybe it takes years upon years. I know lawsuits and things like that take a while. But over in the European uh, Union, the BEUC, a European consumer group, um, they are calling it a systemic problem on the Nintendo Switch. We've talked about the Joy-Con drifts being issues for many a people, and it seems to just rear its head on occasion, basically, when things like this came out. They said that um, they have evidence that shows that 88% of the cases that are filed, you know, for the Switch or something like that, you know, th- that the consoles broke within the first two years, the game controllers, I mean, broke within the first two years. They said they have about 25,000 uh, gamers and consumers across Europe, including France, Belgium, and the Netherlands, that complained about recurring problems, a.k.a. Joy-Con drift. So they're going to open up a lawsuit and take it from there. We'll see if anything happens from it, and probably not, but maybe. Who knows? Hmm. Well, hopefully they get something sorted out. I mean, it's it's not, it just seems like they just are almost refusing to do it at this point. It's But it's like, they're repairing them for free, though. They are know. repairing them. But what it's got to be, I, it, they, I obviously, they looked at it and said, it's cheaper for us just to continue to repair whoever sends theirs in than actually fix the problem, right? Yeah. That that has to be the the reason because mm-hmm. it, it should have been fixed already. I mean, yes, it's good that they are repairing for free. Both Christine and I had ours fixed. We have had all their listeners that have told us they had uh, – one of the listeners had, I think, like 10 – different joy cons that had to be repaired and they do get fixed for free and mine was i think sent out and back within a week so Mm. that was great but at some point isn't it just easier for them just to not have the problem and is it really worth the uh like the consumers having an issue you know i mean it seems like you know all of us are regular listeners of nvc and other podcasts that have talked about these same problems and they seem genuinely just aggravated that Nintendo hasn't just resolved the problem. They are giving them to you and fixing them and all of that, which is, I don't see how they couldn't at this point, but isn't it just better for the look of the company to just not have the problem after a while? Well, the there's some, there's some spreadsheet and some graph and some number that is being worked out in which and they you know, say who knows? it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. This says it's not worth it. Now who also knows, right? Maybe they have make it made steps over the years that were, unbeknownst to us that you mm. know the the joy cons maybe they're getting it closer to fix right maybe they're just making tweaks that are making them last longer and in you know different work like that i don't know who knows right um we, we don't know that so maybe there's like hey all the original ones we can't go back and you know retrofit yeah. but you know hey we've made these tweaks and it's closer now it's this and that I, I, maybe they made no changes also no. i also don't know don't know hard to I will say, say- I'm, I am a little nervous, though, because I, I I don't know how many episodes ago, but we mentioned that we sent ours back and my left um, ZL trigger is. It seems to be getting increasingly less movement when I press it. Mm. Uh, that was never an issue. It never never was broken. It never had a problem to begin with. But I noticed after I sent it and they repaired my drift that that button does not have the 
movement. It doesn't have the range of movement that it once did, or at least what it does on the right side. And it seems like it's getting like less. And it's Send so it in weird. Again. Yeah, be like, all right, well, you fixed mm-hmm. the one. It'll come back with Joy-Con drift then. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't know what. You get one or the other, man. You don't get it both. You don't get <laughs> both. One or the other. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, I'm wondering. Yeah. I'm wondering if. I mean, are they repaired for free in Europe too? I think they're everywhere. They're repaired for free. Okay, because yeah. in the article they had a weird line where it kind of made it sound like they don't get them repaired for free in Europe. I, I could be wrong. If our so, European listeners know, let us know. Yeah, I thought, let I thought us it know. Was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let us know for sure, sure because that would make sense, right? If that would make a lot of sense, why we're seeing a lot of these European uh, like lawsuits coming up because maybe they're not being repaired for free, and obviously that that's like, a problem. No, yeah, oh, it would okay. seem weird here's, to me that they would. Here's wouldn't. the line. Here's the line. They said that basically until Nintendo addresses the premature failures of its products, the BEUC said that they need to continue fault. Um, repairing faulty game controllers for free okay so maybe they need to i continue. just read it wrong okay, yeah 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 maybe sorry. there was a, maybe <laughs> they were making an effort to not do it for free and that was what the push was you know they're getting well yeah back i know that it. european consumer law like there, there's been issues in the past with the e-shop and stuff like that so it's been kind of a dodgy relationship with nintendo so that's why i was wondering if that was maybe an issue but it's not so never mind it'll, it'll be all new <laughs> on the pro switch yeah it'll be yeah. a whole new uh, that's going to be a selling feature. Is that there it'll be the D pad no that's messed up on the new Joy Con <laughs> drift on the Pro version. You <laughs> yeah. want to go Pro? No Joy Con drift. Now, in a recent uh, appearance on the New York Gaming Awards um, Twitch stream, I guess Reggie Fizeme was asked a question. He was asked what his defining achievement was during his time at Nintendo, and he goes into that that dark time the dark period we all know as the Wii U. And he says the transition from the Wii U to the Switch was definitely a uh, defining achievement for him. He says that people forgot when the Wii U launched, and I don't don't think people forgot, but when the Wii U launched, the performance over that life cycle was so poor. I mean, it was the worst selling platform. I think maybe Virtual Boy was a little bit worse, but Wii U underperformed pretty radically in the marketplace. Now, just to give you an idea of the numbers, the Wii U shifted uh, just over... 13 million units during its entire lifetime, its entire lifetime. So he says, though, along with so many of the other things I was a part of, the Switch really was a make or break product for the company. And luckily, it was a hit. So it's interesting to hear that this was a make or break uh, moment for them. And And I guess it makes a lot of sense because it did perform so badly. Now, if 13 million units over its lifetime of the Wii U, the Switch, in comparison, has sold more than 68 million units as of September 30th, 2020. And it's being said that it's halfway through its life cycle. So I would say, yes, it is definitely doing better than the Wii U. It is on track to be the best console for Nintendo. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> I think I remember the Wii U launch. I, you know, yep. you had I, one, right? I still have one. It's in a box yeah. over here. I was trying to get it out to, to, I don't know what I was trying to do with it. I was going to sell it or keep it or boot it up or something, but the, the touchscreen stopped working on the, the controller and I couldn't do anything with it, which is kind of a mm-hmm. bummer. Oh. So, and then to get it fixed was as much as just buying a whole new console. So that was kind of a, kind of a bummer, <laughs> but 
yeah, I mean, I, I do think it was a pivotal point in in Nintendo. I don't know if it was make or break necessarily, but maybe it was. I mean, Nintendo historically has never had two bad runs of a system, in mm-hmm. my personal opinion. I think that if you look at the, you know, I guess N64 and GameCube could be out there. I think the N64 is relatively success and the GameCube was relatively success, but they weren't like a, I don't like it weren't like a virtual boy, right? I think the Wii U kind of went down as not as bad as a virtual boy. It just wasn't, there was amazing games, which is like, it wasn't, it wasn't a great, at the end of the day, it wasn't, it wasn't, I want to say great, but it wasn't great. Okay. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I still love my, my Wii U too. Like I, I've been watching some YouTube videos. Like I bought a Wii U and I bought all these games cause it's like super cheap to like to buy. And there's really great games on it. And I totally agree. Yeah. But it had so many kind of slow issues. The UI was slow. It just, it, it didn't feature, it didn't. And it didn't have the solution to what it was trying to solve. Right. It was, it was close, but it wasn't there. But I think, you know, coming off of, like the the Wii just being such a massive success, you know, they could take this sort of hit. But I think that two hits in a row that may have been like, you know, mega for it. It's hard to say um, overall, because I think still Nintendo <clears throat> shifting 13 million units. They put out Mario Kart and tells 10 million units like, you know, is that bad? I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say that it, it, it's a, like a break moment for, for the company. But again, he knows a lot more than I do about the internal um, workings of Nintendo and yeah. what those books look like. But I will say that I think it would have been bad. Like, I think if there was a Wii U 2, um, that would have been not great um, overall. Yeah. But again, at the time when the Wii U came out, you know, you still had the, <clears throat> you still had the 3DS, right? That was still selling like bonkers, you know, and doing really fantastic not as much as the nintendo ds necessarily or the you know the dsi the you know the successor iterative points of it but the the 3ds still did very very good after the um initial price drop if we remember it was 249 at launch that's crazy um and then it dropped down to 169 and then you know continued to sell very well so there's 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 transition points but obviously 13 million units in the lifetime compared to 68 million that we're at you know now which is way over i think it's like 70 something i don't forget christina just reported on it beyond that night and day difference though so you know i'm happy that the switch was a success and that it sort of fulfilled the promises of the wii u and maybe the wii u was an important stepping point for uh nintendo because it started what would become the nintendo switch in my per i mean if you look at the wii u controller yeah it's not that far off from a nintendo switch yeah absolutely and maybe that was what like you said needed to happen for us to get where we are now now what i also hope they learned is the switch is a form factor people want and what is happening with the switch is what obviously people have wanted for quite a while and i think people even saw that with the wii u and there were some of those promises as well, like oh you can play play the game here and there but you you know there, there was end up being limitations that kind of broke that ideal and with this we literally get to play it home and on the go and that's what people want i don't even know we christine and i were streaming yesterday and up in some of our uh the viewers were like, yeah, I don't buy anything unless it's on the switch because I want it on the go. They said, I will not buy games. I will not buy games unless they're on the switch. 
And that's that's crazy to have that sort of a loyalty to it. And I think if we had to get through the Wii U to get to this, and I hope Nintendo continues this and just iterates on this and refines this, um, you know, you you could probably make this more powerful. I think the dock, I think the dock is a huge place where they could beef this system up and maybe it assists. So you have the switch, you can play the games and it's obviously, you know, um, not a bad version of it, but it's, it's doesn't hit the same specs. And then you put it in this dock, which boosts it. Now you've got even more. I think there's so much room to grow with this form factor that we have just started to scratch the surface with. So I hope that they did learn that. And, and, who knows, like you said, who knows with the make or break idea. I, he does say in one of the comments that we're in the business of video games and we weren't selling them. You know, yeah. it's like that's a <laughs> bad place to be when you're known for video games. If you only sold a small amount in the entire lifetime, I think if they had not had the 3DS, uh, they probably would have been really, really hurting because yeah. that probably floated them. That probably kept them going. I agree with that. I think that you know, the the switch, I think you're right. I think that this is their new form factor. I don't think that they will deviate from this form factor. Um, I, I think that this is just this is this is the new Nintendo and they're going to iterate on this and keep this up and, and work in this because they're very good at handhelds. We know this, mm-hmm. right? And they're also really good at at um at at creating a home console, but unfortunately it's not they're not doing what the other you know, Sony and Microsoft are doing, which has always been like, oh, let's make the most powerful thing. That's never what Nintendo has ever tried to do, by the way, ever in history is try to make yeah. the most powerful console. But unfortunately, in 2021, that's those are the two brackets. And the Nintendo Switch having this very, very um, exclusive feature of being dockable and undockable gives them the ability to make it not as powerful. But at the same time, they're being smart about it. I thought the most most one of the most important parts of the Nintendo switch being that it uses a standardization in, you know, CPU and GPU that enables more games and to be developed faster. And uh, it's a, you know, it's a normal architecture. It's not a power PC architecture. It's a more modern that are really allowing more games to come to it. So that that's also a fundamental switch where if you read a lot of, you know, Um, game interviews from developers of past consoles on all mediums it was always really more complicated to develop for and even the wii u is complicated to develop for and so this switch using the nvidia graphics and things like that is is more standardized i think it has helped you know make the nintendo switch a porting console it's made it have really you know just beautiful looking games i'm going to talk about monster hunter later another you know it's, you can make very beautiful looking games on this console even though it is underpowered you know, considered against the you know ps5 even ps4 the xbox one and the series S. So, so even still it's a game console in which you want to play stuff right i i pick you know and choose to play certain games on my nintendo switch unless it's on game pass because then mm-hmm. it's free um, you know but if i'm playing any game if, if i'm i'm probably gonna play it on the switch for that reason because i was in in bed last night and for the last few nights i've been playing pinball in bed before i go to bed and there's only one console that lets me do it and it's the nintendo switch so i think that this is the form factor going forward that also at the same time the the wii u showed that it's going to be really hard for them to not only create games for a a mobile device a handheld device and a major console so bringing those two in line we've talked about it before streamlines game production so they can make more games faster than ever and i i think that if they 
had a Nintendo, you know, 40s or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and the Switch, I think it still would have been bad for them because they would have been splitting up the resources. And and one thing that I think we all love about the Nintendo Switch, and I'll shut up, is there's a in constant influx of games all the time. Whether whether Metroid ever comes out or not, or Zelda 2 ever comes out, gosh darn it, there's been games nonstop. And I'm super excited for this Bowser's Fury ridiculousness. I keep seeing all these like hands-on people playing it, like on IGN and stuff. And I was like, you know, even if it's a remake, they're adding new stuff to it. And you need people to do that. So I'm excited for it. Anyway, that's what no, I'm absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. I kind of miss that whole like the the Wii and the Wii U and that whole chunk of con- consoles from Nintendo. I just wasn't, you know, in that world at the time. But I did see the other day. I don't know if you guys saw this floating around on Twitter. Um, somebody shared from the Nintendo. I think it was the 2007 company handbook. They include in that all of the past or all of the logos that would have happened for the Wii, like all mm. the potential logos. And some of them are pretty crazy <laughs> yeah i was looking at this this reminds me of yeah like our files that I we know. just recently did like a, a logo for a company and you know typically you have i mean how many did we send over once all was said and done 50 60 70 different variations and this reminds sketches, yeah yeah sketches and then reworking and reworking so when you're seeing something like this it's it's right at home yeah, it's very familiar. <laughs> yeah, uh, so if anybody is interested in that, it's, um, it's in the show notes. We'll make sure that that's in there because just, obviously a podcast isn't a very visual thing. <laughs> I, I will say, though, the, um, you know, the Wii itself, fantastic console. The, the, I, I think it, it, it's one of my favorite consoles of all time. I think it's it was so unique. It's one thing I almost kind of miss from it's one thing of the era, right? I was in college. I remember when Boom Blocks came out, we had part Boom Blocks parties <laughs> and uh, I, I will say like that console to me was a very special moment in time for Nintendo and for the types of games I was playing. You know, I think Wii Sports just, you know, revolutionary is this is this game console in which brought so many people into the into the game ethos that um, I think Nintendo I think Nintendo really got that right. I mean, Nintendo. They were trying to do something special and they did it and, and they tried to continue that. But the, the Wii U just wasn't didn't have that that secret sauce. Right. And, and and the switch unlocked that secret sauce. But I will say that, you know, I think the Wii itself, the original, really had something very special that was opening up the opportunities for more gamers than ever to come in. And I don't necessarily know if the, the switch does that or, or any of the, the other consoles in general. I think that it looks like a normal game console and that's what it is. But the, something about the Wii, right? You had grandparents playing it, and you had you had everyone playing it. I mean, it's it's it was a magical moment, I think. Yeah, yeah. I I remember us playing Boom Blocks. I remember my shoulder hurting. I will. I'm the opposite though. I would definitely take the Switch over the Wii. I hated the motion of the Wii. I hated that controller. <laughs> that thing was so uncomfortable. But it did bring people in, and it was an experience. And that is something that I think is super powerful about the Wii. Um, but in, I've had a hard stance on hating motion controls since day one. I hate, hate, hate motion controls. And so it was hard for me to like the Wii. You know, it was that was 
the the actual controller was hurt because of this thing they were trying to do with it and Mm -hmm. um you know that's why i i will say and i continue to say switch is my absolute number one favorite console of all time without a doubt and that's up against everything else that we've gotten so far so so far until the pro comes out (laughs) until the pro comes out yeah exactly In in 10 years Well, that does it for our news this week and brings us into our bestsellers. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole list because they're pretty much the same as every other week, at least last week. Um, The only difference is uh, Stardew Valley is in number seven this week, which I find interesting because I feel like, you know, it hasn't really lost much momentum. But just over the last week or two weeks, I've seen it boost like the streaming of the game on Twitch. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but there's been a lot like. I've gotten random Stardew Valley videos suggested to me on YouTube too for mm. people streaming. So I just find it interesting. And I think it's because people are getting excited for the update or well, the PC update is that we're still waiting for the update on switch, but it's, you know, people are excited and, and playing it a lot more again. Sure. So that's just cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to make me want to get back into it. So I know <laughs> I, I've been staying away from it. So I, I've got too many other things to play, but yeah, I, Stardew is always a very, very good one. Now, speaking of too many things to play, that gets us to new releases we're into this week, and we have quite a few checks, at least Mats and I do. Mats, why don't you kick it off? Yeah, the first game I'm not 100% sure on, although I do think it looks kind of cool because I like the artwork style of it in a weird way because it's a it's a it's a 3d open world platformer but you play as this like little beetle robot looking bug that sort of rolls around and it's sort of in this ancient aztecian egyptian you know world so you play this little individual little character sort of flying around doing this thing it looks really cool it's 20 bucks you know it says you know 80 hours just you know tons of you know game to explore and do a bunch of stuff and but this game glyph is the name of it so g l y p h so like a glyph you know like a, mm-hmm. a glyph and um the problem i have with it is i was looking it up and i think that this company made a glyph vr game on the on steam and that's a free to play game and i think that this is just the same hmm. game but not vr but like maybe they obviously tweaked the game a little bit to not be vr but hmm. it, it's a little odd and I couldn't figure it out. So that's why I'm like on the fence over it. I think it looks really cute and I like the artwork style of it. It, you know, I just, as is as techie and Egyptian style looks really cool to me. And I, I like the idea of this little bug for kind of flying around with this kind of stunning scenery. But my fear is that it's just a VR game masked in a non VR world. And that kind of scares me a little bit. So yeah, a little weird. Yeah. That could be tough if they didn't, if they didn't port it very well. It yeah. might be weird mm-hmm. gameplay. So be on the lookout. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Heads up. That's a, most of mine are checks. So it's like, I'm interested, but I need more. I need a little bit more information. For me, the next one is February 4th. It comes out. It's called Blue Fire. It's regular $20. It's on sale for $17.99. And it's this one to me is Hollow Knight but in a 3D world. Mm. That's uh, when I was watching this trailer over I watched it a couple of times. You're you're exploring around this world. It's called Penumbra. You're going to go through all these different areas. You're fighting these different bosses. And all I could kept thinking was this is Hollow Knight but a 3D platformer version of it. Now you're going to have collectibles, you got upgrades. You're going through this game and doing all these different things and interacting with all these unique characters which all looks good, but I'm just worried that 
is it a knockoff? I went to the developer's site. It's called the the Roby Studios is the developer. They don't seem to have anything else, so I can't compare it to other games maybe that I've heard of. Um, but it it does look good, so I had to give it a check. I'm a huge fan of Hollow Knight, and if it's a 3D platform version of that, then it probably is pretty good. The animations look really nice. It's got beautiful, rich like colors. If you go into one region, it's all dark blues. And then you go into this other, it seems like it's more lava and it's reds. And it does look good, but I don't know. I wanted to give it a check. $18. It's going on the wish list. I'm going to keep an eye on it. I couldn't find too many reviews for it at the moment, but uh, it's definitely something I think if you are a fan of Hollow Knight or those types of games, you may want to at least look into this. You may enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I had this checked and then unchecked and it's weird because if you go back to episode 100 of the podcast, that was the indie showcase from March 2020 mm-hmm. blue fire kicked off the indie showcase and i and i was i wasn't sure if this was the same game because hmm. the I, I feel like the trailer was just different i need to go back and rewatch that mm. i had written down it reminded me of a 3d lightfall and that the art style looked really cool but Interesting. then it also reminded me of a different game that we all checked but like had a very similar is it from a there's maybe it's the last campfire is that that game yeah the last campfire that, yeah, yeah that's what checked i that one yeah i thought yeah. it was that one you know and hmm. for some reason I, I don't know i just the characters they all kind of blend to everything blends together so many games yeah but i i just i yeah. think because both of those games were in the same thing and i, I like how like, i had like just you know tons of checks on these things but for some reason in my mind i just got these games confused they're completely different but just because like there's some blue fire, and I was like, there's blue fire in the other game or like, something. I already saw this. I already saw this game. I feel like I've already seen this game. And it's because I did back then. But then I was like, for some reason, I was like, eh, I'm up in the air. I'll put it on my wish list as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it looks good. You know, it looks good. But I, I agree with you. I'm just like, I'm I'm, I'm up in the air on it. I, I don't yeah. know. For some reason, the trailer didn't grab me, I guess. And I feel like it did at the Indie Direct, so I don't know. I need to go back and watch it. Yeah, give us that demo. That's what we yeah. need for this, a demo. Just make sure it's not a knockoff. That's my biggest fear. Like, did you see the, the success of Hollow Knight and just make a version of that? Because I don't I don't want that. I already have Hollow Knight. So what, what are you bringing to the table that's a little bit different? Because it, it so, seems so close, but I had to give it a check. I like the artwork for like the advertisement for the game. But the game itself looks like it's definitely it's not really that great looking. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. see. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we will get the demo and we can we can see. Like I said, it, it seems like it may be their only game. So maybe there's going to be, uh, I don't know. I guess we'll keep an eye on it. The next one I took is also coming out February 4th. It's called Gray Skies, A War of the World's Story. It's on well, it's for sale for $15. It's a stealth-based single-player adventure that throws you right into the middle of a Martian invasion. This is based on the work of HG Wells. You are playing a character that has to sneak around. You're going to be crafting things. You're going to be trying to trick the other people that are in the game who are under martial or Martian influence. And you're going to use your environment to your advantage. The trailer seems really kind of spooky and cool, very atmospheric, 
But word of warning, this has mixed reviews on Steam, and a lot of the uh, thumbs down seemed to say that it was very buggy, it had poor UI, it was like very confusing and clunky to control the character, and that it seemed like an early access game that hadn't been fully ironed out. Now, if this is coming out on Switch, it's already been out on Steam. Maybe some of those issues have been worked out and and optimized for the Switch. I'm hoping to see a demo for this because the look of it is something I would really like. It's kind of got that... uh, you know, third person perspective where it's like a Resident Evil and you're kind of going around. And I like stealth games. I like the atmosphere that this has, but uh, those those reviews make me a little nervous. So I gave it a single check. Hopefully we get a demo and we'll keep an eye on this one as well. Yeah, I had this one checked as well, just because I'm not into the HG Wells universe, but the trailer mm-hmm. looks pretty cool. So kind of keep an eye and see if there's some reviews and see how the port went over to the switch. So we'll see. Yep. I checked another one. It's called Haven for $25. This one seems weird. Uh, Basically, you're playing as two lovers who gave up on everything and escaped to a lost planet to be together. It's an RPG adventure about love, rebellion, and freedom. This reminded me of when I was reading through the description because it is two people that are like, you look like this is a perfect co-op game. Um, you're, you're playing together, and it reminded me of Astral Chain, where you're kind of switching back and forth if you do play it solo to control those two characters. The world is gorgeous. It reminded me a lot of... Uh no man's sky when you go to some of the planets on no man's sky and they're vibrant and they're all these colors and it's like this sort of breath of the wild animated style but very vibrant atmospheres and from from the look of it you're playing as these two characters and they're going around they're trying to clean the planet up and using those resources to make their i don't know home base better it seems like this does have uh co-op which is very nice it's it's called a solo game but you can have a friend or romantic partner uh jump in at any point and play local co-op with you which does seem like a perfect game for it and Mm -hmm. apparently in this game you're 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 doing this world exploring stuff but you're also doing these sort of story based narrative uh like back and forth conversations where you have to choose something and that kind of influences the relationship between you and the partner so it's kind of cool if you are playing it with a romantic partner it would be kind of fun to kind of have these conversations on the couch while you're playing as well as in this game it could be kind of interesting to see how you know like how do you click in this game and what would you be choosing to do? You know, and, and hopefully your partners stay together in the game and in real life. If you, if you don't, uh, maybe you won't click who knows. I don't know, but I thought it looked interesting. I really like the atmosphere quite a bit and the game seems a little cheesy, but it could be good. So I gave it a check. Yeah. The super Ste- cheesy. <laughs> yeah. Super <laughs> cheesy. The steam reviews are overwhelmingly positive. Though. They are. They are yeah. like, it's out on everything. And um, this team also made Fury, by the way, which is also a fantastic game. And uh, yeah, I, now that you've sold it to me, maybe I will buy it. Like It seems neat. I mean, I love the look. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've heard really good things about it. My my thing is, am I going to be playing this by myself or because like, <laughs> exactly. I don't 
I don't really think that Heather, you know, I don't really think this is her. Now, if she, I guess she could be like, oh, okay, the battle's coming up. Like, you yeah, have fun with that, right? And then, yeah, but would it, <laughs> but would it like draw her in to like play the rest of the game or I'm just going to spend $25 on this thing? So I'm not sure. That's my, yeah. My, my, my. I think if you have a partner that likes playing games, this seemed, when I was watching, I'm like, this is a really cool co op, you know? And then when it said solo, but you can have the co op drop in. If they take full control of the other character, I don't want a co-op where they're like operating the camera, you know, or something cheesy. It's like, are you controlling the character? And if you are, that's that's cool. That I can be all for. So for 25, that's a lot. I give it a check. We'll see what happens. I like in the key features. One of the one of the key features is plays a relatable couple in an intimate relationship treated with maturity and humor. (laughs) I, so true. My, you know, my fear is I, I would like to see the development team behind. I I, I don't want to like, you know, pull anything out there, but like, I'm like, okay, who is the development team? Like, is it a, is it a diverse team? Like, what is this yeah. relationship going to be? Is it, you know, what I wouldn't want to do is like get this game. And then I'm, I'm sure that's, I'm sure that it's great. And that the, the, the story arc is, is great, but hopefully they have some consultants on it that, it's you know not like one side sided right because often you see just a bunch of dudes making a game exactly about, like, yeah yeah that's my fear relationship that's <laughs> my fear so yeah and that's sense. so good and that's not the game i would want to you know be like oh let's play this game and then it's all like super sexist or something like i'm not yeah, saying yeah. that it is but yeah, like, like you know they say it's relatable but i mean what makes a relationship relatable really like i don't know that that that's weird to me <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. another one where you need that demo. We need to see mm-hmm. how this thing yeah. plays, and then then you yeah. can really hope. if it, if it's a good game and they come out with a decent demo, I could see this being like like you said, it's on Steam. It's very well received, so mm-hmm. I could see this being a good one. Uh, had to give it a check. It just looks beautiful, so why not? Why not? I've got another one. It's Skyforge. This is coming out. It is free. It's an online action game inspired by science fiction and fantasy set in a breathtaking universe rife with gods and monsters. Very familiar topic. Um, You team up with players around the world to uncover amazing stories, explore lands uncharted, and defend a massive, constantly evolving world from invasion. Uh, This one... I, I was confused at what this was because I will say when they started explaining the classes, I think there's 18 different classes that you can play as. When I started to see those classes, I was like, oh, this is Overwatch. This is an Overwatch knockoff. They have basically a Mercy. They basically have like all of the characters that are in Overwatch. It looks they have like the cowboy, they have the angel, they have the tank. You know what I mean? It's like looked exactly like it. They have um, what's his name there? The the uh, shoot, I haven't played Overwatch in so long. I forgot all the characters, but they had the <laughs> guy that has like the skull face, Reaper, whatever his name was. They have like all these characters in this game. The thing that seems cool about this though is unlike that being a sort of a battle, you know, you're going up against other players. Um, like in that in that world, this seems like you're actually going up against the environment and you're teaming up with characters that pick their battle, pick their character and build those classes to go out and attack the the world at large as a group. So I will 100 percent try this out, especially considering it's free to play. Um, I, I think it looks the the art style, the character design is really nice. They did do a nice job with everything. It just made me a little worried when I started seeing these classes. I was like, wow, these all seem like complete ripoffs. But who knows? This came out with the Founders Pack, which we've seen others do in the past. And then now it'll be free after that. 
But uh, I'm going to check this out. I'm excited to see what this game is all about. It didn't really give me a full... Um, you don't see a lot of the gameplay. You see a lot of like, here's the class. Here's what the story is about. But you don't see like, what am I doing in this game? And that makes me a little nervous. But I'm, it's checked. I'm checking it out. I like that. So yeah, I, I don't know about that game. I, <laughs> we'll see. I'll see what you think. Um, yeah. Now, the one I'm pretty sure is a either an Insta buy or a I'm going to check out Apple Arcade on my Apple TV because it's part of that is Nuts. It's a game where you track and surveillance squirrels. As we all know, squirrels are evil beings. And this game, case in point, will show that to us, I'm pretty sure. Um, this, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Squirrels, they're ter- terrible creatures. They're terrifying. They will jump out at you. They are always scheming and planning terrible things. They're terrible. They're terrible. They're they're nuts, <laughs> if you will. They are nuts. Oh, <laughs> everything about squirrels are terrifying and terrible. They're just like spiders. They're they're worse than spiders. That's a, a case in point. They're worse than spiders. Wow, worse than spiders. And spiders. Big, you know, big words. That's that's big. You know, a spiders. That's a big claim. Spiders just be in your house, and there's like, hey, what up? And I'm like, how did you? How where did you even come from, spider? <laughs> what is happening right now? Why are you on my ceiling? Why, why, why are you here? Anyways, I would say um, spiders are a lot easier to get rid of. Yes. Though <laughs> less destructive. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, they're yeah. less destructive, you know, unless, unless you, got, you like, live a- in Australia, which case every spider will kill you. But. Yeah. Or you got some, <laughs> you know, black widows or you got some, uh, what is brown recluse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, besides the, the, you know, besides that, anyway, <laughs> you know, squirrels are terrifying. Anyways, this game is like Five Nights at Freddy's, but <laughs> squirrels, mm-hmm. but like actually more of a game, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's like you're in a surveillance room. This is a surveillance game, but the difference is that you're surveilling these squirrels in an open world adventure, which I think is kind of cool. So you're setting up cameras, you're tracking these squirrels, you're monitoring them. And apparently they are up to devious could be terrifying things and um you are out to 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 find it i like that it's like a cell shaded type of weird color graphics i don't really know what's going on with the color scheme but it reminded me of a Firewatch mm-hmm. slash five night at freddy's yeah i was absolutely getting Firewatch vibes aside from the crazy color color scheme but mm-hmm. yeah fire watch for sure i was getting those vibes yeah these squirrels i don't it's not good I've downloaded this on Apple Arcade, so I will be checking it out there. It's very hard for me to pay $20 for this on Switch when it's included in the $5 a month Apple Arcade fee. So I will be playing it because I think it looks fascinating. I think that the story that starts to evolve in the trailer seems really interesting. I love the surveillance aspect of it. Like you are setting up your camera and you're trying to get good angles. It's like Pokemon Snap people and you all love Mm -hmm. Pokemon Snap. So get those cameras out there and get snapping because this, this could save lives. Apparently there's squirrels with dynamite and that can never be good. And uh, so I want to check this out. I think it looks really, really cool. I like the mystery aspect of it that they're alluding to in the trailer. So 100% I'm all in for nuts. <laughs> I'm all I feel for- like I feel like this is one like normally I would probably check. But I, I just I don't know. Something seems really weird about it that I don't like. Like, I think maybe it's the art style that I'm just not super into it kind of feels like they're trying to go for this 90s sort of I love it. Look, I I don't know. But I 
Yeah, I for just twenty dollars, it, it turned me off. As soon as I realized it was twenty dollars, mm. I was like, "No, I'm not going to spend twenty dollars on this." I'm not against because the $20 I keep I keep doing that. I keep doing that every week. I'll check almost every twenty dollar game that's out there, and then find out, oh, it's on Apple Arcade. Oh, but it's on the Switch too. But it's twenty dollars. That is <laughs> yeah. a problem. So it's just that's that keeps happening to me. And I was actually talking about it in my stream yesterday that the game I got was on Apple Arcade, but it's also on the Switch, and I keep. Mm-hmm getting those games so yep. maybe i should just get apple arcade <laughs> could be they just need to price it accordingly right yeah um what is it down at bermuda that's that's a game that's on apple arcade right and then we talked about yeah it, we checked yeah i see that it's on sale right it's a 20 dollars game but it's on sale for seven dollars now exactly then that Which, makes more sense yeah and that's like, why then, i bought it but then why was it ever 20 dollars? just make it seven dollars right. yeah it, it just makes it look cheap, right? Because if Nuts goes down to $6.99, I'll probably buy it, right? But like if it just came out at yeah. $6.99, I would just buy it. But then, you know, it, it feels like a, a money grab at, at yeah. some point. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm going to try this on Apple Arcade because I've already, I'm already paying the $5. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of yeah. these games, I mean, for, for this, okay, let's say there's nothing else that appeals to you on Apple Arcade, which I fi- would find hard to believe because there's a lot of good stuff on there. But let's mm-hmm. say you pay the $5 to play this game. Mm-hmm. You're already saving money just to play a game. And then there's so many other games. And so it's kind of like, it's it's hard to justify this $20. Now, if you just adamant that you don't want to play this on Apple Arcade, $20 as a price doesn't necessarily bother me because it does look like it's well done. It's got complete voiceover for the entire game. There's a lot of things here that seem good. So I don't, I'm not against the 20. It's just I'm against the 20 when I can get it as part of a $5 a month subscription. It's very hard for me to understand that that justification. Like I think you were saying the same thing, Mots. $20 for a good game. I, I have no problem paying that. But not when it's part of, you know, Game Pass. I'm not paying twenty dollars when I could get something for free or Apple Arcade or whatever else. Makes no sense. Now, the last one I have checked is I guess Conarium. It is normally $20. It is on sale for $16.99. And it is a chilling Lovecraftian game that follows the gripping story of four scientists and their endeavor to challenge what we normally consider to be the absolute limits of nature. Sure, don't know what that means, but it looks like a (laughs) a very extremely atmospheric uh, world. It's kind of spooky and creepy. If you've ever played Soma, it reminds me of that very much. I really love these dramatic atmospheres. I've loved these kind of mysterious games. I am definitely going to check this one out. It has multiple endings, which I think is very, very cool. And uh, I love this kind of stuff. It has very positive reviews on Steam. So that also makes me feel a little bit more confident in giving this a check. And I think it's worth checking out if you like those kind of atmospheric, spooky games. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So after all of that, that gets us <laughs> into everybody's favorite segment in the show. What you playing? And I'm going to give this one to Christina. What have you been playing? So after the podcast last week, <clears throat> I decided to finally give Tharsis a go because I bought it shortly after you streamed it, Michael. Mm-hmm. And I got so addicted to this game for days. <laughs> it's a good one. I Yeah. And it's funny because I did this with Wingspan too, where I wasn't really sure I would be into it because it's kind of like a board game style card game with dice and stuff like that. But, oh, it's so addicting because you get so close to 
you know, getting to the next thing you have to do, like the next task. Yeah. And then you like, if you just barely miss, it's like, oh, I know I can fix this next time. I can, I, I know what I have to do. I can do better. Um, yeah, exactly. And so you keep doing it and doing it. And I'm pretty sure that's the definition of insanity because nothing would change. <laughs> but I ended up going back and doing, they have these little tutorial missions and like challenge missions that you can mm-hmm. do, not connected to the story. So for example, the first one is you have to last five weeks, but you can't repair your hull. So you kind of have to, w- once you get through those five weeks, then yeah, you you train, great, you won. But mm. I found them very helpful for learning, you know, what the different conduit or what the different capsules do in the spaceship, what the individual powers do. Like I learned how I could do like different combos between characters or like maybe this character is better to play first than this one. So if anybody is interested in this game at all, and if you pick it up, I definitely recommend doing those smaller missions because they nice. were super helpful Yeah, I started helpful going back to those as well. And after I did those missions, I beat the game fairly quickly. Nice. And it was surprising. Like, I will say that, like, there is a story. It's kind of an abstracted sort of story. Um, I ended up not really understanding the story at all, but still enjoyed playing the game. So I think they could have actually just got rid of the story altogether and it would have been just as fun. I actually, like, would just skip through it (laughs) sometimes. But then I finally got to the end. And it's crazy because in that last week that you have to survive, you have to keep one person in a special area of the ship and like they have to stay there for like the whole time. You can't move them at all. Mm-hmm. And the f- the first time I got to this part, they died and I lost the game. The second time I got to this part, they lived and that was it. I beat the game. So I literally only lost the game that first time I got to that point because I had one person die. But it still showed the end scene. It was so dumb. And I didn't realize that 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 was the end of the game when I lost the first time. But anyway, very good. I definitely recommend it, Tharsis. It's it's so good. Um, And then I I, this week, I also played a little bit of Wingspan. I went and checked out Animal Crossing. There wasn't really anything. This was before the update. There wasn't anything new at the time. So I just picked a bunch of weeds. Um, And then yesterday, I streamed Down in Bermuda. So I talked about Agent A and the people who made that game also made Down in Bermuda. It's very similar in the types of puzzles that you have to solve. So there's like button pressing and then there's knobs you have to push down and then you have to look for um, symbols and input those symbols in a specific order somewhere, stuff like that. But it's kind of like Monument Valley in a way, uh, the way it looks, the way you move around. Now, when I streamed it, I obviously I can't do touchscreen. I could only use my pro controller. And I found I personally found that to be a big pain just navigating and moving around because you have to use like your ZR and your R and all that stuff. Um, And like my I just it wasn't very intuitive for me. And then not only that, you have to vary like you have to click on very specific points in the screen. So it's basically they made it a touchscreen thing. Try to work with the switch controls. I played it later touchscreen and I found it a lot easier. So it does have touchscreen support. If you find that it's easier for you to use that, I recommend it. Um, I'm really enjoying the game. So yeah, but it's, it's streamed. It's, it's recorded if anybody wants to check it out. Nice. Yeah. I also have been playing down to Bermuda. Um, I'm sort of a mixed feeling on the touchscreen versus controls. I think I prefer a combo of the two. Uh, there, I, it does not register my fingers that well on this touchscreen. It obviously is made for, it's part of Apple arcade. I don't know if it's on Android. I have it on Apple arcade as well. And I was comparing Mm -hmm. it to the switch version. It's much more 
um, the controls are better on the phone. And I think that's probably a limitation of the touch screen on the switch. Like it just doesn't like seem it's not as, as sensitive. Sens- yeah, it doesn't seem mm-hmm. as sensitive. And that's not to say it's breaking the game or it's bad because I do use the touch screen on the switch. Um, but it does seem more sensitive on the uh, on the phone. And I don't know why. I don't know what the difference is there. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there and why one is, is able to pick up my fingers better than the other. But it's really, really enjoyable. I'm at the, I don't know, Lava Island or wherever I am now. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of great little puzzles, a lot of cute little puzzles. It's not difficult. It's just kind of, you just sit there and you just move things around. (laughs) For Um, sure. So far, I haven't, nothing is other than spending time. You know what I mean? You just have to look Mm -hmm. for things and there's nothing where it's like, oh, I can't figure this out. But it is, it is very cute. It is very well done. It is, it is an enjoyable game. I'm, I feel like I said, I'm more where I like to use the combo of the controllers and the touchscreen. So I'll move around and I'll get kind of in a refined spot and then I'll touch my screen to do what I needed to do. There was a part where I had to operate uh, a, a cannon on a track and that was next to impossible with the controller. You like, you that's had to why, use the touchscreen. That's screen. when I stopped. That's when I stopped streaming oh, was because terrible. I was like, I can't do this with my pro controller. I'm sorry. I'm going to go eat dinner. <laughs> yeah. It was total garbage trying to do it with, <laughs> yeah. with the controller oh, it because so it's hard. just like kept snapping to different spots and you don't have, you do not have the nuance. You do not have the control with the controllers, oddly enough. Um, to, to <laughs> operate it the way you want to Good operate one. it. So that was extremely frustrating. I completely agree with you on that. But other than that, I'm really liking it. And I don't know how many, I, I, I'm assuming there's as many, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 islands. I have no idea where, like what the end of this game so is. I, I got to the next one after the lava okay. island. And I apparently, I got a dialogue box basically saying, solve these three towers and then you can leave Bermuda. Okay. So, okay. so I don't know if that's the end or if there's more because there is still like a whirlpool next to that island. Oh, so oh, it weird. seems like there might be another one. So I'm not really sure what the deal is there. But I mean, I we'll would see. assume there's as many as there needs to be to get all the keys because I haven't found all the keys well, yet. And they're not all where like maybe I get the next key, which unlocks other keys on the other islands. You know what I mean? So maybe well, by I the think- time I get to the next world, I'm got them all i don't know yeah if you look on the main menu too and you tap an island it'll show you whether or not you got the key that's yeah on i've gotten island. a three yeah. or four of them but there's there's a couple spots mm-hmm. where i'm like oh i know there's probably a key there but i don't have the color i need to go back and get it yet yeah so i've gotten um, i've gotten all the colors up to where i am nice yeah so, so i think the last one you get is the purple one but yeah. i would say it is 100 worth the seven dollar sale price i would not pay full yeah. price for it Definitely worth the sale price. Yes. So that's good. I agree. Is that it for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, besides that, I played some WoW, but it's <laughs> really Nintendo Jealous. related. Jealous that you've been able to play some <laughs> WoW. I keep trying to play some WoW. It just hasn't happened yet. Uh, Mats, yeah. how about you? What have you been playing, man? Yeah. So it's a pretty pretty fun week, I would say. I, I'll kick it off with my pinball blitz first, I will say, and then we'll go into Monster Hunter. So the um, there's a free-to-play ios and android app called infinite pinball this is actually quite cool i saw this tweet come out from the the guy that i bought the nintendo switch 3d printed pinball thing that i was talking about a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago that is now shipped so it is coming via dhl at some point to my house um it's a wacky system that i don't want to talk you know it's there's japan shipping and international it's all wacky and weird but it's coming it's happening 
I'm very excited about it. I parsed all the the Japanese websites to figure out how to get it shipped to my house, but it's totally happening. But um, this person retweeted just this thing about in, infinity, infinity pinball. That's what it's called, infinity pinball. It's got that cool like retro '70s '80s neon vibe to it. But it is a it is an eight bit pinball infinite upward moving pinball game. Okay, so what that means is hmm. you're playing, um, it's, it's very simple controls. There's a left and right bumper button on the left and right. And then in the middle screen of the screen is a, you know, the pinball board. And the whole goal of it is that you are trying to obviously gain points and move points, but you can shoot the pinball into the next layer up, right? So you're trying to actually move up the screen basically and get to as many high levels as you can in the game so you're trying to keep propelling up there right and you have you have three hearts but you can gain more hearts by getting more points so as this balance of like do i want to gain more points at lower levels where it's easier and i won't lose a life um whereas like further on if you're if you let the ball go like down into the gutter then you will lose a heart right normally if you're like on the second or third level, you can go down. You just kind of move down levels. So you can kind of move down and up levels. But it's an infinite scroller pinball game called Infinity Pinball on iOS and Android. It's completely free to play. There are ads at the end of like your, your gameplay. But if you buy anything in the game, it gets rid of ads. So I bought one skin for my pinball. You can buy pinballs as well. They're 99 cents. And I go, oh, okay, 99 cents. That's not bad. So for 99 cents, I got rid of ads. And... Yeah, there's like four or five different levels into it. It has all the default like iOS and Android like leaderboard stuff built into it. So if you're using the game center thing on iOS, that's all built in, which is pretty cool. Um, so you can see friends. It's really nicely done. Actually, I'm really this is the first game that I've played. I don't play a lot of games on mobile, but that has the game center built in. And my other friend that's really into pinball, I sent him Chris a uh uh, invite and I was like, whoa, this like game center thing like totally works great. And anyways, it's super fun. It's free and you can check it out. And I'll put a link into the show notes called Infinity Pinball. And uh, if you like pinball, it's it's eight bit style. It it works well. Um, it's quite fun. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. And it it's it's a different type of pinball. But then of course it got me on a pinball blitz, and I decided that I was going to boot up uh pinball fx3 again on my nintendo switch and that's what i've been playing at night um before bed a little bit with my flip grip if if you remember i got a flip grip, a flip a flippity grip off of the kickstarter and i think i talked about it a long time ago but the flip grip is great for pinball and i've been playing pinball fx3 it's fantastic it's really getting me hyped up for when you know this pinball thing comes in because the thing with pinball is you're hitting those bumpers a lot, right? Back and forth, the bumpers a mm-hmm. lot. And and with the flip grip, your hands get pretty close in there. And even in portable mode, your hands get pretty, you know, in there. You, you know, there's something about the grip is over time, you know, you there's a little bit of finger fatigue. So I do like my flip grip. It's a piece of plastic and um, it works well. It allows you to put your switch in vertical mode, your portrait mode, if you will. And that works super good. And I've been super enjoying Pinball FX3, getting back into it. Attack from Mars, still in one of my favorite games. I almost broke my higher score last night of Ooh. like 6 billion points. Um, but again, even that game, leaderboards, super duper well done from um, Zen Pinball over there. And that had me leading into 
more Missile Dancer, the game I talked about last week. I played it in my flip grip. Amazing, because it also does the vertical (laughs) mode. So flipping good. Miss, I'm dancing around those missiles. So good. I love it. Everything about it. So good. Um, If you like, you know, side scroller shmups, it's really good. I really recommend it. All about missiles. It's it's, it's less about shooting, more about the missiles and locking onto people. Now that I know what I'm doing, I'm like getting crazy combos and like just busting my way through the game. It's super fun. And you can sit down and play for like 10 minutes and have a real good time. Um, So, you know, Pinball FX3 never gets old. Missile Dancer, super duper good. Um, Finally, because tomorrow we're recording on the 31st, but February 1st, I think is the last day to play this Monster Hunter demo. And I played it. I think it ends February 1st. I think like today, if Michael wanted to play, I think it's the last day that you can play it. I'm pretty sure. Nice. Um, The Monster Hunter demo. Wow. This game looks stunning. It looks beautiful. Like coming off of the Little Nightmares demo into this demo. Like these are just these two games could not be any more different. Like it's just crazy. I mean, not that the, the games are literally different, but like the graphics, it's like. This game looks stunning. It looks so good. It's very um, Legend of Zelda-y in a way of like the graphics on it are just really well done, really polished. Um, The demo has two different, I think this is a very different demo than the last Monster Hunter demo that you played, Michael. But this one is, there is four things that you can do. There's two tutorials that help you like learn how to play the game. And then there's two missions, beginner and intermediate. And that's all you can play. That's it. Okay, and I played the beginner one and hunting down one of these, you know, dinosaur monsters and hack and slash it. And you can pick by default from all 12 or 15 of the different types of hunters. Okay, so I did like the dual wielding one. I'm going to probably play again tonight and play one of the different ones just so I can get a feel for it. But that's how you do it. So you kind of get a pick and choose what you want going into these levels and you can play any of the levels combined total 30 times. So that's the limitation. Oh, wow. there is, so you can play up to 30 times. So you could really try out every single hunter if you wanted to over and over again, but you only have those two missions. Okay. And the two tutorials. So I'll probably maybe we'll play through the tutorials again. I don't know why they're going to time limit this. They should just let people play this forever because it's, it's a great introduction to monster hunting, but it skips over any of the other stuff in the game, like, you know, the hand holding. So I'm interested when the final games comes out, but anyways, it looks beautiful. And I could not highly recommend this monster hunter game. If you like monster hunter, because it looks beautiful, monster hunter rise, whatever it is, it looks good. That's all I'm saying. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So that maybe will get me to try it because every time I see it on my switch, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I cannot bring myself to play this demo, but at least you are into it. So I, I will try it today to at least say that I've played the demo. I don't know why. I just cannot get into this series, but maybe this is the one. Maybe this one will change my mind and get me excited for some Monster Hunter. It seems like something I would love, but yeah, I don't know. I just you can't get engaged with it. You can play the demo multiplayer. I did not. I just played single player, which is kind of interesting. And then... um I played uh, portable mode and I thought it looked stunning. So I I want to boot it up on my on my monitor here and actually see what it looks like docked and if it even boosts the graphics more. Because again, night and day difference from playing little night. Little, I don't I don't want to dog little nightmares, but it's <laughs> night and day difference yeah. from two demos that came out at very similar times. And you know, games that look 
as good as this does, you know, I, it shows the power of the switch. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. It makes me excited. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Uh, so for me, I've been playing some of that down in Bermuda. I've been playing some of the Witcher three. I've been playing Feria, which is a card game, card battle game, deck builder, whatever they're called. And then I streamed yesterday, some long dark and that was great. I spent about another two hours just wandering around doing nothing. And, uh, and then at some point, um, you know, Christina did me dirty and said just to leave the area and I could come back and I can't. So now I left the area and uh, did you look it up? Yeah, you can't. You can't go back. Oh, no. Um, so I left the area, and then it stinks because I got off of the stream. I'm like, well, I guess this will be where I ended for today. I've been streaming for three hours, blah, blah, blah. Literally, literally two minutes later, I'm like, well, let me get to the save spot. It it ends. The game's, <laughs> the, the mish, that episode is over. So if I had just walked another two minutes out of this cave, it would have been an awesome ending spot for the stream. And now Jeez. I have to, I have to, the next time I stream, I have to play two minutes of the episode to finish the story and then start the next episode. But it's funny because this came out in episodes. You you go and this thing happens, which I will stream so nobody misses it. But this thing happens and then credits start to roll. And I'm like, ah, is that uh. it? Is the game over? That's all this is, is one thing. And then all the credits go and then it's like, continue episode two like really you could have cut this out and just got me right into like episode two like just a continue button and then title like opening credits start up and it's like a whole new trailer and i was just like what the heck is going on here so i guess in between each episode it's treated as its own game and that's why you can't go back because Mm -hmm. it's not part of the game anymore you you left apparently so it doesn't even seem like it matters anyway because they don't I don't even think it's you know I'm thinking you're building up and you're doing stuff for your character and and with this character you can only bring what you can bring. So whatever gray mother was going to give me by giving her more food, it's not like it really probably mattered that much. So um Do you I want was me thinking, to tell you what I don't, she would have given you? Was she going to give me the gun? That's the only thing no, I cared about. It wasn't the gun. Oh, was it? And that's why, and that's why I said, why don't you just go to the next area? Because I knew you'd probably end up being disappointed by what you got. Oh, what was it like? Even though it is, it's a rare item. It's a, it's a very, very, very warm coat. Oh, well, I mean, that's fine because I haven't been cold. You know what I mean? Like I've found so much stuff. I noticed that too. Yeah. I noticed that too, that you were, you know, in a really good place and, you know, as as you got more food, you were also getting more resources and didn't really need the coat. So I was like, oh, I should probably just maybe he should just go. <laughs> yeah. And it was dragging on. I'm like, I it don't really know. Was. So yeah. if you hadn't caught any of the streams, basically what I was trying to do is there's these these villagers that were living in this town. They all leave, but they left like caches of supplies that they hid in, for whatever reason. So they hid this stuff all around. Gray Mother is the one lone survivor there that kind of helps me and guides me to get out of this town. And you, as a side quest, want to leave a bunch of supplies with her so she doesn't die, basically. And you're giving up all of your supplies to leave with a character that you're never going to see again. And so I'm basically losing supplies, trying to find supplies that I can then give to her to get this 
whatever, this item. And she had a gun leaning up next to her. And in my mind, I'm like, that is the only thing that's making this worth it because you don't have weapons. You don't have anything to protect yourself. You have a flare gun, which is meant to scare wolves off. So I'm like, if I get that gun, it's completely worth it. And in the meantime, while you're hunting for these caches, you're finding jackets and socks and hats and whatever junk you're getting. And so my character, you know, was in the beginning, everything was killing me. Everything. Every every minute I was on the verge of death. Now I can wander around pretty much all day long and not freeze to death because I have so much clothing on that I'm fine. So knowing that it was just another article of clothing, I, I mean, that would have been cool to have a jacket, but I don't, I don't care. So now I'm in the next area mm-hmm. um, and I'm excited to see where it goes and where the story goes. I, I believe we have three episodes included in the Switch version and four and five are yet to come out on all, all those different platforms. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see. I'll, I'll be continuing that next time I stream and we'll, we'll pick up there and, and I'll probably just kind of move along a little bit quicker. Like I'm one that really enjoys doing the exploration and really enjoys getting into every little nook and cranny. But at the same time, it's, it's also where it's like, all right, I spent 20 hours in this first episode. You probably could have ran through it in five. You know what I mean? So it's like, where's the balance? Do you just do it or do you try to, you know, balance it out? So it's a little bit more, a little less time wasted, I guess. So that's what I've been playing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we did it. There you go. Lots of games, 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 games. We're talking about games, games, games. And that's Mm, an mm, Nintendo mm, Dispatch mm, for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Dun, dun, dun.